One thing that if I have to nitpick, and this is not me, uh, I'm not concerned. I just want to bring it up because I just noticed it looking at the stats. It's actually it's actually good news because the Bruins are so dominant right now, and this is not even in their favor. Um, Brad Marchand, I thought he played phenomenal tonight. He was he was every single night he brings the effort. He's he's an all world player. Um, Marchand has 19 points in 15 games played this year. However, I I would like to highlight that 13 of his 19 points this year are on the power play. Uh, I'm I'm not a math whiz. I would imagine that's what like 65 percent or something like that. Um, so the Bruins the Bruins are are playing the way that they are, and arguably their best overall player in the heartbeat of their team is hasn't broken out five on five yet with the scoring, and that's okay. It's a long season. He's going to. I'm I'm just highlighting that like the Bruins are playing this solid, and he hasn't even broken out five on five yet. Um, he's scoring. Um, but mainly on special teams. Uh, DeBrusque, too, uh, eight, of, 8 of 17 points from DeBrusque are on the power play. Um, you know, so though I guess what I'm saying is that line's been really good, but 5-on-5, five five, they haven't been dying, lighting up the score sheet. A lot of it's been done on the, on, on the power play. Uh, I, I'm not asking you if you're worried because I know your answer is no, just like my answer is no. I just I, I just wonder if it's something that you've picked up on as well. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think that line is still drastically outchancing, outshooting opponents. So to your point, I'm not worried. But um, I know, you know, Martian has talked about this a little bit recently and uh, even after tonight's game, they're like, he, he hasn't been happy with his five on five game. He feels like he's still um, definitely not where he wants to be or where he thinks he's going to be. So maybe some of that is still, you know, recovery from injury. I I, I don't know, but um, you know, you certainly see plenty of stretches where he doesn't look impacted at all. Like he, he looks like vintage Marshand. So I do think it's only a matter of time and, I know his assist um, tonight came in the power play, but I thought he and that line were great five and five as well. He drew two penalties in the first period. So those are five and five plays. Um, and Montgomery said that after the game that he thought it was, he thought it was the best five on five game Martians had all season. And Martian after the game said that, you know, he felt better. Like he thought this was a, like a real step in in the right direction for him, and I I think when when he's saying that, like he's talking about even without you know specifically saying it, he's talking about five on five because obviously he's going to be pretty thrilled with what he's been doing on the power play. Um, so yeah, so it's it's coming like that. That line's too good. He's too good. Um, you know, there's probably gonna, there's going to be a game where like they score three at five on five, and then. And then it's over. Like then, then there's no more drought. So I, I do feel like one of those games is coming soon where like we're gonna jump on here after and be like, hey, like all three guys in that line scored a five and five goal tonight or something like that. I mean, I guess you can make the argument we could be having that conversation tonight. Um, because Jake DeBrusque did score, uh, I believe that was five on five, his his goal at the end of the game. 
Um, but also earlier on in the game, he scored a goal that was that was ruled uh, no goal because the the net came off the pegs. Which Scott, can you explain to me like this? When I was watching the replay, I was like, all right, I don't think it's a, a distinct kicking motion. I think that the puck just hit his skate in a stopping motion, which it, it did. I was like, if they call this a goal because of a kick, I said that they're just blind. Never in my mind did I think that they would disallow it because the goal came off the pegs because we, we've seen many goals this year in Bruins games and other games around the league where if the puck is entering the net, if it's going across the goal line clearly, um, and then the net goes off the moorings in the midst of that for one reason or another, it's been it's been ruled like, no, 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 that wasn't that wasn't going to affect the puck going across the line like that's a goal. And for some reason tonight, the refs just ruled the opposite of that. And it's like, I, I'm if you want to call it no goal, I'm, I'm fine with it. If you explain to me how it's different than same situations that they, they rule in favor of it is I don't understand yeah. the difference. I think the difference might be that they ruled or in their minds, DeBrusque knocked it off on his own and wasn't, I mean, there was definitely a little bit of a, of a push from the defenseman there, but I guess maybe in their minds, like DeBrusque didn't do enough to avoid knocking the net off or he's the one who caused it or whatever. So that's the only thing I can think of. Other than that, like, yeah, the puck was clearly going across and the net moving didn't matter. So, um, yeah, that was a weird one. Cause at first I, I actually thought it was enough for a distant kick, kicking motion, but then another angle looked like it went off his other, like went, looked like it went off the left skate. So I don't know. Like, obviously there was, you know, kind of two different things at play. They didn't mention anything about a kick, so I don't think that factored in. Um, but yeah, the knocking the net off thing, like whatever. If if it were, if it were a close game, it'd obviously be more of a controversy, and we'd be talking about that. Uh, it was funny to so to the goal that DeBrus did score was his 100th career goal. Um, so that first one, you know, would have been had it, you know, stood after review. So he, he was asked, like, did someone get the puck and then you had to give it back? And he was like, I don't even know, actually. Like, good question. Because, um, you know, Bruins did, like, the obviously got him the puck. They put the label on there. He took the picture with it after the game, all that. Um, but, yeah, that one uh, had to wait on the first one. And, like I said, a closer game, we, you know, might have, like, an actual controversy on our hands. But, yeah, I don't know exactly how they came to that conclusion or, or why the net moving really mattered. Yeah. Well, that's all I want to know. I mean, score aside, regular season, postseason, I just want to know, I just want to know what the rule is. So I'm not, you know, confused watching the broadcast and yeah, on the broadcast, Jack and brick kept, they were convinced it was a kicking motion. And I was watching like, cause I, I knew all along it hit his left skate, which was, he was using to stop. Um, so I was like, I was like, am I taking crazy pills? Like, why, why do they all think that he's kicking this? It's a stopping motion. But then I realized from certain angles, it looked like it was his right foot that hit it. And yes, that looked like he was kicking, but it hit the other foot. Uh, regardless, Scott, I, I know I brought up the five-on-five scoring with Martian and Nebrus, but I, 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 I do want to um, – and, you know, it is ironic I brought that up because they did have a five-on-five goal and could have been two. But I do want to talk about the um, – I just love the different ways at which the Bruins scored five on five tonight. Um, you know, the first one, 
because Pashnax was a power play. His breakaway goal was a breakaway. That was even strength. Um, but, you know, that was kind of a broken play, and they took advantage of it. He kind of fled the zone. But the other three even strength goals, I just loved them because it, it, it wasn't an avalanche player breaking a stick or going over a stick and the Bruins taking advantage. It was it was game plan by the Bruins, and they were all so different from each other. Like, you can tell that they – I mean, okay, the uh, the first Trent Frederick goal, that was – McAvoy was in the neutral zone. He he read that coil, kept it in, so we stepped back in. And then his natural ability just took over, right? He 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 moved the puck down low to Zaka. Um, but then he kept going to the net. It was it was it, it's given goes are so simple, but like you don't see him that often. And they executed it perfectly. And you know, on his way to the goal, as Zaka passes the puck back to McAvoy, McAvoy at the last hour, at the last second, lifts McKinnon's stick while receiving the pass so it just it's such such an an elite smart play takes the puck to the goal frederick bangs in the rebound okay that's the first one the second one that i wanted to talk about was the um the coil i mean the uh the frederick second goal that's in transition so the bruins score a, tra- a goal in transition you know stepping up in the neutral zone um you know taylor hall feeds f- feeds frederick and you know he buries it and and then the third one was 10 seconds later and it's like Bergeron enters the zone and does the most deliberate forehand bank pass. Usually you see a guy into the zone and just kind of chip with his backhand off the boards to behind. He did it with his forehand. It was so deliberate. He knew that nobody was going to get that puck besides the incoming defenseman, which was Derek Forbert on the strong side. And in an instant, he throws it to the net off the pad. And then there's uh DeBrusque with the rebound. And it was just like, it wasn't tic-tac-toe. But it kind of was. And anyway, I just I was just very impressed at the different ways that the Bruins are generating scoring chances at five on five. It's that's that's what tells you how good of a team they are because they're not they're not relying on one line, they're not relying on special teams. It's every line and it's a variety of ways. And obviously tonight was despite the injuries that they have, was a very you know, a very quality opponent. Yeah, and it's it's just chemistry, like it's just connectivity because to your point like some of those weren't like they weren't really set plays like maybe they've come up at some point in practice but a lot of it is just like like McAvoy gets the puck and Zach is there you know kind of standing off the side of the net and you use him for a give and go like that's you know it's not to your point like that's not a play you see a, a whole heck of a lot like the way McAvoy is coming in, you know, you might almost expect him to try to take, I think, I think it was McKinnon in front of him, like take him one-on-one, you know, cut to the inside type thing. Instead, he sees Zaka and you basically use the give and go to, to beat the defender. Um, you know, that Bergeron play you, you talked about, like usually like when you get over the line and you pull up, you're, you're pulling up facing the middle of the ice. So you're seeing all your options. Bergeron turns towards the boards, like again, just because he's like he knows four boards the option, so you know it doesn't matter if he's turning his back to the rest of the play. Um, using rebounds, like you know, assist to uh, to um, Franco's pads, like Mac McAvoy. You could tell it was almost like he was like that was like a pass 
off the goalie's pads, basically. Like McAvoy throws that backhander on, and you he knows no chance of scoring there, but he did, also doesn't have like a totally clear passing lane to Frederick. So he goes for the rebound, knowing like Frederick's there, and, and that's probably going to lead to something good. Um, Forbort shot is just you know classic point shot for a rebound, low off the pad, and DeBrusque's right there, crashing. So. Yeah, and I thought we, you know, we've seen that on plenty of plays recently, and plenty of other plays besides the goals. But yeah, it, it, I thought it was like a great game to show just how connected this team is, and how they just seem to be reading off each other so well. Because a lot of that isn't, you know, it, it's just in the moment stuff. It's not set plays. It's not, uh, you know, your classic three on two rush you work on all the time. It's, it's just finding the open teammate and, and making something happen, getting to space. Yeah. It, it's, they're not set plays. They're just high percentage plays. They're smart plays. It's intelligent hockey. And I have to believe that that's a, that's a lot of Jim Montgomery. Um, you know, Jim Montgomery was a, was a really good offensive player in his playing days at Maine. He played alongside Paul Correa um, when they won a state championship. And, you know, I just think that, Obviously, the Bruins clearly by their goals against, like you said earlier, they're one in goals for, one in goals against. Um, they are not, they're not sacrificing, you know, defense for offense. The, the, like they're constantly covering for each other. Um, the the awareness from player to player when they're on the ice is is at a very high level. Um, you know, defensemen are. You know, Charlie McAvoy is not jumping down. Um, on that give and go, if he's not positive and not and, and um, doesn't know that one of my teammates is covering for me, um, you know, so I just think that Montgomery is, you know, these guys are all they're all professional hockey players. They've all gotten to the NHL, um, you know, in one capacity or another, and they know what they're doing. And I just think that Jim Montgomery is kind of letting these guys play hockey uh i think sometimes you know over the last like 15 years or so i think that the game has really it's become very robotic in a sense where um you know these coaches have these systems in place and you know on when, when you dump the puck in you, you know where f1 is f2 f3 and you and okay if the puck goes if they go d to d this guy's going and this guy's covering and i just think that players tend to think too much they they're 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 reacting instead of acting and i think that montgomery trusts his players and they know how to play responsible but when it when they're in the offensive zone i just think he's letting them kind of like not they're not playing pawn hockey but they're just they're playing the game like they're letting their instincts take over and they're trusting that their teammates will be there to cover for them and they you know they I'm not saying they don't have their systems and they don't have their four check schemes. Of course they do. I'm just saying like they're allowing the boys to just kind of play the game. And uh, I think it's, I think when you, when you, when you allow that uh, culture to kind of be in a locker room, I think that it, it uh, enhances creativity. It, it allows players to take, take chances and trust their instincts as long as they understand that they have to be responsible. Um, and, you add that to, like I said, like the, the, the high, the high, uh, 
you know, high intelligent plays and um, you, you have goals in a variety of different ways. You know, you're not looking at, you're not, they're not trying to find the perfect pass. I mean, that McAvoy wants a perfect example. Like, like you said, you know, most guys in that situation would try to find the guy back door for a tape to tape pass. Right. But McAvoy probably saw, yes, don't think that's getting through. So I'm going to throw it to an area where it might get to him and uh high percentage stuff. So, yeah, I mean, they're rolling right now and we've talked about it. They're not going to skate through the whole season um, playing this way, I, I would imagine, but it's they're They're so deep and it's just like, you know, like I said, off the top, four one goal games out of 23 you you, you, if you're an opponent you're kind of like well we have to play pretty perfect just to kind of give ourselves a chance to beat these guys so yeah it's great stuff yeah and you know a couple more tough games coming up you mentioned vegas on monday and the the return of bruce cassidy which by the way debrusque was asked about that after the game like is there any extra motivation and you know, without directly saying, like, did you ask him that? No, I, I didn't. It wasn't me, actually. Um, but like, without directly saying, like, I didn't like Cassie or anything. Like, he, he did acknowledge, like, yeah, like obviously there's a little bit extra there. Um, you know, but then he got, like, he also went on to point out, like, we're playing Vegas. We're not just playing Bruce Cassidy. We gotta beat the guys on the ice. Um, and then the the West Coast road trip, Colorado. The random Arizona game in the middle, get our uh, first taste of Mullet Arena, um, you know, playing on a college campus. And I'd love to go to that game. That'd be, that actually would be really fun to travel yeah. to. Yeah. This would be a great road trip to be on. Colorado, check out the Arizona State Arena and then, uh, and then Vegas. So, um, fortunately, I'm not going, but, uh, yeah, that, that would be a good one. And, will continue to be a good test again. Like I said off the top, like this was the the stretch, the nine game. And, you know, obviously there's plenty more tough games to come, but this was like the nine games that we all had highlighted and they're now five games into it and they're four and one. So uh, you wrap up the home portion of it with Vegas on Monday and then finish it off on the road. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where they're at, but man, so it's so far pretty damn good. You know what's you know what's you know what's crazy is like if you were to tell me or tell anybody, yeah, um the Bruins the Bruins are gonna lose at Fenway Park this year before they lose at TD Garden. I'd probably <laughs> I'd probably say, huh? Uh not that's not me foreshadowing a winter classic loss, but like that's that's a real possibility. I mean, how many home games do they have before the winter classic? Like probably four or five. So yeah, I mean <laughs> To get to that, I mean, if you if, if they enter the Winter Classic undefeated at home and they're for, and they end up losing the Winter Classic at Fenway, that that would be kind of ironic. Um, yeah, they got a home, they got one home loss, but it wasn't at the Garden. <laughs> um, that would that would be interesting. But yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a fun team to watch, and uh, I think I speak for the two of us when I say I'm just enjoying every moment of it because you know next year we, who knows who knows what happens next year. I mean, maybe maybe Krejci and Bergeron find a way to come back. Um, and they keep most of the game together somehow. I don't, or, or, you know, most of the irreplaceable parts together, but I don't, you know, tomorrow's not guaranteed with this team. So right now, uh, this is pretty, this is pretty fun. This is one of the funner, this is one of the funner, um, Bruins teams to watch since, um, a couple of teams stand out to me. I remember they were a very, very, very fun team to watch 
in 2008-2009, uh, the year after they took Montreal to seven as an eight seed. That kind of put the Bruins back on the map. I think they they lost to the Sharks for the President's Trophy by like a point, and that's back, back when the Sharks were filthy. Uh, but similar similar season, like they just like kind of rolled through everybody. I mean, not not this much. I mean, nobody's done this. Obviously, this is history. Uh, and then again in you know thirteen fourteen, they you know they were pretty filthy. Uh, and that's not even counting the years that they went to the cup finals and obviously won a couple, but this is a very fun team to watch. I think, I think the sky's the limit for this team, uh, as long as they stay healthy. So, um, did you have anything else you wanted to go over Scott? No, I was just going to say like, to your point, it, like it, it is just so enjoyable to watch every game. And, you know, I was thinking about this recently, cause like people, especially in Boston, people always try to make the point of like, Oh, well, Boston fans, media, like, thrive off negativity or, like, you know, they almost want to see teams, like, fail more than they succeed. And it's like, I don't know, man. Like, I I work in the Boston media, and I got to tell you, I'm really enjoying watching the Bruins and Celtics this year a heck of a lot more than watching the Patriots, who are, quite frankly, a pretty boring team to watch and, you know, don't really seem to be going anywhere. Enjoying the Bruins and Celtics a lot more than I enjoyed watching the Red Sox this past season. Like it, it yeah, like we all have jobs to do, and when things aren't going well, you still gotta find things to write about and talk about. But like it's a lot more enjoyable when when they're not only winning, but like playing an exciting brand of whatever sport it is. So in this case, yeah, it, in, an incredibly enjoyable team to watch and just uh entertaining games like Every every night that they're playing, yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, obviously, you have a, you have, a, you have individuals here and there in the media that will, you know, they're 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 trying to you know create headlines and be pessimistic. But for the most part, um, you know, like like look, I I I call it like I see it. I know you do as well, Scott, and I think most people tend to do so as well. Like, obviously, I understand that the Bruins. Um, you know, they've, they've left a championship on the table, in my opinion, uh, with this core group over the last about, you know, 12, 13 years. I think, you know, that season I just mentioned, 08, 09. I mean, there were cup aspirations that year. You got bounced to, in the second round on home ice because Scott Walker, who exactly scored. Um, you know, there's been a lot of take away at St. Louis, take away Chicago. There's been a couple of seasons where the Bruins had, finals aspirations and then we're bouncing the second round um there's also been two finals losses like i just mentioned so like there's definitely an element for me where it's like this is awesome i love watching it but you gotta do it when it matters most 100 percent, i get that but like what am i supposed to do was i like i'm not i know it's not really gonna matter until april but until then am i just gonna like keep saying that or keep thinking no it's like he, he i'm gonna watch the games and i'm gonna i want to enjoy it like i i'll worry about april when it gets there and i'm and, and believe me if we get to april and they and they and they're healthy and they lose to an inferior team i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it and i'm gonna be honest and and, and tell it like it is i mean like but you want to talk about a city that can't enjoy regular season hockey. It's Toronto. <laughs> I mean, like talk about a team that like, you know, they've, they've had, they've had Matthews up in Toronto for like seven seasons now. And they've been to the, they've been to the playoffs seven or eight straight years and they haven't made it out of the first round. And 
you know, they've had, they, they've broken franchise records and points over this, over that course of time too. And, you know, you enjoy that, but if you're Toronto, it's like they haven't even made it out of the first round. So it's, it must be really tough for them to like enjoy it in the moment. But if Toronto can enjoy their wins in the regular season, I think Boston can, because Boston, I think trails only Pittsburgh and maybe certainly Chicago, certainly Pittsburgh, maybe Tampa and maybe the Kings, but I don't know about that. I would bet you the Bruins have the third most playoff series wins in the NHL over the last 15 years. So yes, there's been disappointing endings, um, but, but we know when the Bruins get to the postseason, they certainly are capable of making noise. And I think this year is as good a chance as any to, to, to go to the promised land and, 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 and take care of business. Um, so anyway, um, anything else, Scott? No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, so the Bruins play the, they play Vegas on Monday. They're, they got a busy schedule, busy road ahead. Um, they're every other night. I feel like all month, except for, um, when Santa comes down the chimney, I think there's a couple of days they have off there. So, uh, right up, right up through the winter classic. And even after that, I, I think they're, they're kind of balls to the walls here for a little bit. So, uh, there will no, be no shortage of, of content to go over. Um, and I think we're all looking forward to the game Monday night. That'll be fun. That'll be a fun one. It feels like they've had a lot of home games. Yes, definitely. Like that That's going to start to balance out too. So we are going to see them play on the road more. I mean, so, well, yeah, I mean, they're, so they've played 23 games. They're 14 and 0 at home. So yeah, 14 home to nine road. Like, you know, what sucks is that, um, and this is a little bit, bit of a peek behind the curtain for listeners. Like I would say probably 90% of our podcasts are recorded after a Bruins game. And because they've had so many home games, usually like if it's a seven o'clock game, game gets done at nine 30, Scott, uh, Scott and Bridget are usually in the locker room till whatever quarter of 11, they drive home or maybe like 10 30, they drive home. We usually don't start recording till like 11, 11, 15 at night uh, on game nights when they're, when they're at the garden. So, you know, it's nice. It's nice that we get, we get a couple uh, away games here because you guys don't travel. So we can get, we can record right after. Oh, oh, but wait a minute. Oh, they're going out West now. So now even when they're on the road, they're going to play at nine o'clock at night, local time in Colorado, probably the same in Arizona, maybe 10 o'clock in Vegas. So these games aren't going to be getting over to like freaking midnight and whatever, but Hey, eventually they'll, they'll get some East coast away games. We can record at like nine 30 sharp. And yeah. get it done by ten thirty. <laughs> one of the one of these days. So, but hey, we we're not complaining. We enjoy doing it. But just the way the schedule turned out so far. But anywho, all right, Scott. Um, I think this is a good time to to hit the road, Jack. Um, my condolences on your on your soccer team. Uh, tough loss. Good heart. Not enough talent. Twenty twenty six. That's gonna be it. That's gonna be the big the big year. All these guys are going to be in their prime on U.S. soil. We got four years to build to it. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is a good first step. Maybe, maybe by then we'll have a we'll finally have a best on best in hockey too at some point for Christ's sake. But oh my God, I know it's it's insane. Like I gotta this could be a whole other podcast, so I won't I won't get going. But like I feel like that this is going to be a huge black mark on, on Gary Bettman, or at least it should be. It is in my mind. Like the fact that he is basically blocked 
NHL from going to the Olympics has not made the World Cup any sort of priority. Like it's it's brutal. I mean, there hasn't been a best on best in what six years, and even and before that, it was like the last Olympics. So it's yeah, it's just stupid, and it sucks too because like locally or domestically, um, I feel like I feel like the U.S. is like entering their golden age of 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 hockey. I think like we're we're in it right now when you, you think of like Eichel, Matthews in their prime, McAvoy, Fox on defense, like. How about two superstars that are breaking up this year? Tage Thompson and Jason Robertson that they're like, yeah, they're, they're like, you know, 13 feet combined. Robertson's got like 22 goals in 21 games, whatever the hell it's been. It's just Tage Thompson's a star. Jack Hughes is breaking out. Zegris is on the cover of video games. Like, you know, it's just, you know, Patrick Kane's still playing. Who knows if he's playing by the time that they end up doing a best on best. But like, you know, obviously you said Eichel and Matthews and, you know, the Kachuk brothers, um, Jake Sanderson's like, he, he'll be a pretty good defenseman. Like there's a Connor Hellebuck, like there's Kyle Connor, Jesus Christ. Like I can keep going to brink it. My God. It's I just know. like, it, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And it's like, can we please, can we please get a best on best for Christ's sake? Maddie Beniers. I bet you will be pushing for a team by the time that comes around. He's over in Seattle, like former second overall pick. He's playing awesome. Like God, it's just so annoying. But and yes. like, the, and they also blew like any any sort of continuity because so many of these guys played together, whether it was U18s or World Juniors or whatever. Like, a lot of these guys have experience on international teams together. Yeah. Uh, U.S. has obviously won multiple World Junior golds, so like, there's even there's something there. And then it's like they get to the NHL, and that just all gets thrown out because we don't have the tournament. Like, they're not going to the Olympics you know one world cup in what the last two and a half decades like it's it's insane i mean yeah i mean uh cole caulfield's another one the the younger luke hughes uh younger hughes brother luke hughes is going to be in new jersey next year the year after like i mean quinn hughes like there's so many players if you think back to the last time it was best on best the u.s the u.s team in the world cup up in toronto was like you know it was <laughs> it was like Paul Stastny, it was Ryan Kessler, David Backus, Phil Kessel, like Blake Wheeler. You know, they weren't bad players, but you you compare that to what the U.S. has right now. Holy smokes, could this team can this team do some damage? I mean, you take you take away you take away McDavid, and this is unfair to do, but like okay, you take away McDavid and McCarr from Canada, and then take away you know Matthews and maybe even McAvoy from the U S like, and like you just take away both teams, top two players on both sides of the puck. It's like, I think the U S has more depth, but who knows that, like you said, maybe another podcast. Well, yeah. And then even from the Canon perspective, like you're missing out on those, you just mentioned like McDavid McCarr, you're missing on those guys primes. You, you missed what really would have been the last go around for the Marchand Crosby Bergeron line. Like had they gone to the last Olympics that, probably would have been a line again for Canada. Now, you know, Bergeron, unfortunately, is probably going to be retired by the time there's the next best on best tournament. Uh, you know, Crosby might be as well. Marchand could be past his prime. Like, yeah, whatever. I, I mean, I like, go, I go on all day about how angry this makes but, me, but. Well, because like, because like they canceled it because, because of the, the shit going on in Ukraine with Russia, but it's, am I, am I mistaken about that? No, 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 it was COVID. 
what for for for, for a possible upcoming one? They, oh they, no no oh yeah the upcoming yeah I thought you meant the last Olympics. Oh no 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 yeah, yeah. no like like with 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 because because they, they were talking about having the World Cup of Hockey like next year right and it's like because of what's going on in the Ukraine with Russia they nix it it's like well. I don't know. Just fucking don't let Russia play then. <laughs> like <laughs> have everybody else play besides Russia. I know, I know that they're a top three country at hockey and you want best on best. I get that. Believe me. But so you're going to punish everybody else. Just take away that one team. World yeah. juniors, the world juniors. I mean, did it. Yeah. But world cup just did it. Right. Russia got in the middle of qualifying. They kicked Russia out. Like they're still playing qualifying matches and they're just like, Nope, you're done. you like, you don't, you don't get to try to qualify for the world cup. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks. I mean, I remember when I was younger, um, the the 2002 Olympics in Salt Lake City, I was glued to the TV. I thought, you know, it was so fun uh, to watch. And then, you know, I get a little bit older. Obviously, 2010 uh, was awesome. 2006, let's not talk about that. Um, that never happened <laughs> in Torino. That was brutal showing for the U.S. But 2010 was great. Um, 2014 was really cool. And since then, it's just been an absolute it's been non-existent. They've had one World Cup of Hockey since 2014. It sucked anyway. So, anyway, all right, Scott. Um, I've rambled enough. Um, I think this is a good time to end. So, thank you all for listening. We will talk soon.